Break It Down, Make It Better is a series of events aimed at producing educational programming, discussions, and professional development opportunities for artists, musicians, and curators in our community and region. These programs are presented through a partnership with Dwelling Place, ArtPrize, and Creative Many Michigan. My name is Heather Duffy, and I'm here in the WGVU studios for another episode of Break It Down, Make It Better, the podcast. We are really lucky to have so many great artists and designers and arts organizers sharing their knowledge with us for a whole community of people who range from interested to active students to professionals to experts. And so thank you all for listening and for sharing your ideas and resources as well. I'm here today with Chris Fredericks, who is a designer focusing on building and managing brands. He's also a printmaker and a former professor and is an apparel brand owner and creator. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We are going to hear from Chris today about pitching your work, which is something that I think can cause a lot of anxiety because maybe we don't really know how to do it or we do know how to do it, but there is the possibility of rejection as response, which is just part of the equation. So I'm really glad that you're here to give us some insights and some direction. Cool. Thanks. I am really interested in something you said earlier about pitching your work, that it's about a strategy. It's about Mm -hmm. putting together and communicating a brand in some ways. And I'm interested in knowing to you, what what does it mean, pitching your work? how, How are you coming to this? Sure. So I think it can take a lot of different forms, everything from like the about page on your website to a letter you might write to get into an art show or a street fair or into a gallery. My experience mostly comes from writing, either writing content for the web or filling out applications for art shows or street fairs or any sort of art market. Um, last year, I did about 19 of them with my apparel brand, um, Grow Up Awesome. Yeah, it's too many. <laughs> I'm trying to do less. Usually, they want a pretty short statement. Sometimes, it's just a few sentences. So trying to figure out like what your story is and how you can explain it very briefly yeah. Um, enough to get them interested to look at your website and look at the images maybe you submitted along with that. I think it all kind of starts with brand strategy. So when it comes to that, when I work with business clients, I think the premise of it is exactly the same for artists. There's kind of four steps that I take, and I'll just break that down really quick and we can dive deeper into some of those. Sweet. Um, but first is finding your focus. So the main point of that is figuring out what makes you different. Finding your voice with a business, that's a little more complicated because you have a bunch of people working on something. But when you're an artist, that's typically the way you talk, um, the way you would explain your work. Three would be consistency. So kind of keeping that voice, keeping that focus and keeping the overall message the same across everything that you do. So social media, website, letters that you send to apply for things, etc. And then the fourth thing would be kind of developing that into a story. So the most basic part is figuring out your focus. That's also the most important part. I find that's also the part that artists seem to struggle with the most. Mm-hmm. I've done a couple of brand strategy workshops with groups of artists. And one thing that I've heard is because artists kind of jump around from subject matter to subject matter or medium to medium, it's kind of hard for them to explain their work in a single statement yeah. or they feel like that limits them as an artist. Yeah. Um, so two things I would say to that. One is that it's not permanent. You can change it whenever you need to. I think a lot of artists 
and even businesses, they go through like seasons of their work, the type of work they're doing. I'm hearing what you're saying, especially around feeling limited or boxed in by kind of defining the relationship, if you will. Yeah. You know, it seems scary. Why, if, I, if I am this one thing, doesn't mean that I'm not anything else. And what yeah. I'm hearing you say is that, no, right. you can still be all the other things. And do you need a brand statement or brand strategy for each thing if you are all the things? I don't think so. So I think the point I was trying to get to was that it's not necessarily the style of work or what you're doing at that point in time. It's more why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that stays more consistent throughout an artist's career or at least, you know, for a period of time longer than maybe you stick to a certain style or medium. One artist that uh, I've worked with and I'm friends with, uh, Josh Solis. I was just reading his bio. I can read it to you real quick. Okay. There it is. So he was talking on his website about his more recent works. And he said, his more recent works are a continued look into the feelings one has being in a disenfranchised group, more specifically from the perspective of a person of color. Solis created the character named Johnny, an interdimensional apple being that embodies these feelings. So it kind of really quickly gives you the gist of like what he's currently working on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also... Your first statement might be that more general statement that kind of tells the person reading it, this is who I am and this is what makes me different as an artist. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I think is when you'd get into the the specifics of what you're doing right this second. So you're helping to build the context around what you do as you introduce new people to yourself and your work. Yeah. And I think the main point of the focus in kind of knowing what makes you different from the standpoint of someone looking at applications for a show or a gallery is why is this more special than this other thing? Or why should, if you have 20 spots and you have 100 applicants, kind of what is it that sets this one apart Yeah, and makes it worth picking? So, so I know we're going to go through all four of these, but real quickly, is there anything that is not special that people use all the time? Are there some like don'ts you could give us real quick? I would say the main thing would be not to be too vague. Mm-hmm. So again, if you're like trying to point out what makes you different, then you want to be pretty specific about what that is. Mm -hmm. So even for me as a designer, I went through a period of time where I have a pretty wide range of skills, kind of the jack of all trades style designer. Mm -hmm. Um, I can make a video, I can make a website, but if you start listing off things, I would say that would be the thing. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't list all of the things that you do, Mm -hmm. kind of find a way to group all of those things. So that's why I say I'm a designer with a focus on building and managing brands because Mm -hmm. that doesn't say necessarily what I do, It just says, here's this kind of umbrella that holds all of those things. That sounds, now that I'm thinking about it, like that sounds contradictory to what I just said, be specific, but (laughs) you don't want to be specific to the point where you're listing the 15 different things that you know how to do. Yeah, that comes Um, later. Yeah. Comes later when you know, I think, what the person you're pitching to wants. In my design work, it's kind of, you know, I might be able to make a website or I might make a video, but if you throw those things at someone right away, then it might be overwhelming or, or forgettable. My mind is spinning. I am furiously writing notes and nodding along to all of this. Thank you. So you said that the second step, we're talking about finding your voice. Mm -hmm. In the business world, that can mean a lot of things, even as far as like the personality of the brand. I also use the term archetype. Mm -hmm. So kind of those characters that you know throughout films or books. So I think a lot of that becomes less relevant when you're an artist, except maybe knowing which one of those categories you fit into. It's kind of like doing a personality test. That way, when you think about writing something or if you're presenting something, you can make sure that it's consistent, which is the next step. You can make sure that message stays consistent in your voice. That also can come up when, say, you're making art and you need help. 
and you have someone like helping you with social media or you have someone helping you do something else, being able to define your voice, even if it's just yours, that makes it so you can kind of do that. You can add people to your team. Yeah. You can you can hire people temporarily to help you out. And then you do, you have like a framework for what you're putting out there. Do you think that it is like more important to sort of remove layers or be introspective in order to find out like what is the voice you already have or are you a proponent of sort of creating a voice and then sticking to that? I mean, I'm sure that there are different contexts, whether you are, maybe we could look at one, like if you are going to make your artist specific pitch in the form of your own website where anyone could come to it. Yeah, I think the work in figuring out your voice is really in my opinion, it's trying to figure out like what your voice actually is, not mm-hmm. necessarily crafting one. In the business world, you're definitely crafting one, but I sure. think the goal of that even is authenticity. You're trying to build trust. So if you as an artist create this kind of fake persona, then that might not work out for you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Later on. So authentic voice instead of constructed voice is yeah, a good place yeah, to start. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but just seeking. I think it. there's this term sell, um, like personal branding and I think it kind of gets a bad rap because it feels fake if you look at it a mm-hmm. certain way or the wrong way. But I think just being it, like me personally, I'm kind of an introvert. And mm-hmm. I think I had a long time professionally where I, I had trouble kind of explaining myself. So like kind of being introspective, like you're saying, and kind of looking into those things and diving deeper into them is what made it so I could explain myself on my website or to someone. And then the consistency of that voice you touched on a little bit, like it's important, especially if you're going to hand off tasks and communication responsibilities, but also it helps to build trust Mm -hmm. um, when people see that you have a a consistent voice and message. Are there other important points of consistency that we're not thinking about? Yeah, I think one thing, so you're talking about what I mentioned earlier, handing stuff off. A lot of, you know, a lot of artists are not doing that. Um, so they don't have money to pay an employee. So I think at that point, when you scale it back, you're looking at social media, uh, your website, anywhere else you're kind of like putting the word out about yourself. For me, I have a hard time kind of consistently posting to social media. It's overwhelming to me. Mm -hmm. So if you are a little bit more organized than me, you might be able to kind of lay out a calendar, say like what kind of posts you're going to do each day, vary that, but then you could keep it consistent by day. And then also the way you write those posts kind of making sure that it's in your voice. It's not, in this case, when we're talking about authenticity and doing it in your own voice, like making sure that's something that I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not looking like you're making it up or yeah. trying too hard. Like hitting <laughs> that X on the stage. And the world peace. Yeah, no yeah. one likes it when it looks like you're trying too hard, like whether you're right. a single person or you're a business. And then diving into the story, is that where you list all the 15 things that you do? <laughs> or what is the story? I think I would avoid listing all of the things okay good i think the story is going off of the focus but it's also it might be the specific thing you're working on at that point so my focus for the apparel brand grow up awesome again is that i hand print minimal depictions of nature and random things that are inspired by my family so i have four kids Um, i learned how to screen print a long time ago i think it's like 15 years ago and when i started having kids i wanted to make stuff for them to wear and then once I did that, I started selling it on the internet. So it's kind of like that first part, that first sentence. I may I handprint minimal depictions of et cetera. That's my focus. But then say I wanted to do a specific project. One theme that I do a lot is camping stuff. Mm-hmm. So say I wanted to do a camping themed thing, then I feel like 
that would be your big idea for your story. And then you'd mm -hmm. go off of that story, thinking of it from like the situation that an artist might be in, say you're pitching a mural or something mm -hmm. like that. The idea would be the, the big idea behind your mural. Like what is the focus of it? What makes it different? It's all part of your focus. And then, you know, what does that look like in the space that it's in? Kind of walking them through the story of this is how you will experience that artwork. That's kind of where the story kind of comes in. Depending on what you're pitching, you could tell an actual story. So I could tell the story of my solar system t-shirt that I made and how I started selling it at markets and people started buying it and I see people walking down the street wearing it. Or if it's something new that you haven't done before, you can kind of create fake is the wrong word, but like a, a scenario yeah. where this is what it looks like when I put this mural on the wall. Right. And this is how people interact with it. I would love it if you would talk a little bit more about that, like pitching a future project. I think I really like to talk about the future and talk about like, oh, this is going to be this one way. And I don't know, when I was working in a museum setting and doing curatorial work, I often would walk through spaces that were blank walls and I would feel myself get kind of nervous about getting ready to ask people to imagine the space totally transformed because you're really just using words. You don't have a lot of visuals necessarily with you while you're like walking through a space. And and that nervousness, I would usually displace with a joke or like a moment to bring us all together. I would I would catch myself all the time being like, dig if you will, this picture. And you know, like, like maybe quite a song or something to try to diffuse some of that tension. And I'm wondering if that tension is just always going to be there, which I think it will. You know, you start to pitch something that doesn't exist yet. It might be an immediate turnoff or an immediate like close the door to whomever is receiving your pitch. And do you have tips for talking up and explaining clearly and or concisely what those future ideas might be? Because I think for artists, certainly there is success in shopping around work that they have already made, to say it coldly, shopping around, and making sure that it's being seen or purchased or supported in some way. But a lot of times it's the act of creating that is so exciting and, and refueling. And so um, we have to also think about ways to pitch work that doesn't exist yet. I think the nervousness will always be there because when you're pitching something that you you haven't done before. You don't know if it's going to work. Not to keep going back to the t-shirts, but I've had a few t-shirts that work really well. I've had a lot of t-shirts that I was like, this is cool. And then no one bought it. So yeah, there's always hits and misses. Um, and I think that's what kind of keeps us nervous and also keeps us kind of working towards new things, keeps us fresh. So I think as far as some tips on that, most of it's going to lie within the focus and like mm -hmm. knowing that focus. So knowing what you're for an art show, for example, or a gallery show, you have like an overall theme of some sort. My first question would be, why are you doing it in mm -hmm. the first place? And then why is it important? Maybe you answered that in the first question, but like, why, why will people care about it? Why will people want to come to it? Who's going to mm -hmm. come to it? And then again, maybe this question's repetitive, but what inspired it in the first place? Because a lot mm -hmm. of times there's a story behind that. So mm -hmm. usually when you talk to any artist, if they're working on a project that you know, goes across multiple pieces or something that could fill a gallery for a show, Usually something inspired that body of work. Do you feel like there are tools and tactics that you would recommend using as supports for this new idea? I, I know as I would review, from, like personally, as I would review work from a curatorial standpoint, it was really helpful to me, for example, to see images of another body of work, but installed in a setting so that what that told me as a visual is, sure, you have a great idea, but I also see that you can do the follow through, like you have created a body of work and taken it from idea to action with like labels on the wall before. And so that builds some trust, not necessarily in a gallery setting or 
in that setting, but in any setting, are there some tools that you would recommend that people lean on like that? Yeah, as far as visuals go? Yeah, or visuals or, I don't know, I I feel like sometimes with proposals there will be a call Mm -hmm. for like, what's your timeline or what's your budget or Mm -hmm. or how are you going to make this a thing, Mm -hmm. basically? And what are some tools to communicate how it's going to be a thing and not just an idea? So when working through the focus part, a big, the kind of main takeaway from that when I'm doing it with a business client would be, it's called the brand positioning statement. And the last part of that is reason to believe. Sometimes that is for a business, it could be how many years they've been in business or what kind of experience the owners have or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think for an artist, have you done this before? Have you done a project like this before? Mm -hmm. I think visuals are super important because obviously it's a visual medium. (laughs) So you want to make sure that they can produce work that looks good in a gallery space and makes sense in this, your particular space. I think that reason to believe might be, it could be everything from education to I've done this many art shows to here are pictures of work I've made. So it could vary quite a bit, but I think that's what it immediately made me think of is kind of, it's your reason to believe. Okay, so just to do some variations on a theme real quick, with the reason to believe, can you illustrate what that might look like if you are applying to like a market? Maybe you want to show all new work and they know that you have done a really successful line of like t-shirts and framed two-dimensional work, but you want to do this other thing you haven't done before. Is it similar or? Yeah, I think you would for sure show your past work. I might show kind of concepts, sketches Mm -hmm. if I don't have the new work done or maybe mock-ups or something like that. Okay. And pretty much any market's going to want to see a past setup. So some sort of booth setup. They want, they'll want to see visual evidence that you've done that before. I recently had Jean, who you were talking to earlier, take yeah. photos of all of my stuff. So kind of having those professional photos, I think, would help too, even if you're presenting completely new work. Like they'd have an idea of what your style is. And if there is some variation in your style, I think you could explain that with words instead of visuals. Well, those are the four points. I'm sure that we could pick them up and drop them into many settings and explore them at lots of angles. But I'm wondering, outside of those four points, if you have more ideas about strategy around brand or strategy around finding things to which you should submit a bit. Hmm. I mean, those are two really different things. But Yeah, I think one thing that we haven't really covered yet is audience. So knowing who your audience is and knowing where your work will work. From the standpoint of markets, I've found markets that I do very well at and then I'll go to a market that I think is similar and I don't do well at it. I always say my people are in East Town. So any market that I do in East Town, I do really well at regardless of what market it is. There's Bizarre Bazaar and then there's Street Fair. Right. Um but they're two of my best shows. They're only one day shows, but I know that when those people come in like those are my people. It's usually young families, yeah, just people that live kind of in that area. So every time I'm trying to apply to a show, I'm like looking for a show that looks like that. <laughs> but unfortunately, yeah. with markets that you go to and you set up, you don't know until you get there. Like last week, I was in Berkeley, Michigan, right up. It's a suburb of Detroit. And I think it was mostly a traffic issue. Like there just wasn't as many people walking through. But it's always tricky to figure out who and where you should be setting up. I think it's also kind of like, what does that community look like and how active is that community? I think East Town's a good example of a pretty vibrant community where there's a lot going on. There's a strong community association, so you kind of know what you're getting there. As far as like submitting to a gallery or something like that, it'd probably be the, you know, what kind of work do they usually show? Does your work make sense there? I don't think you want to waste your time applying to a ton of stuff unless you're pretty sure that it makes sense. Yeah. So uh, another thing that I'd point out would be I'm going to apply to markets that 
I would go to. I'm not going to apply it to any of that. I wouldn't go to. <laughs> so to really break it down, what are some things you look for to figure that out? Is it like you talked about location and maybe there are images on the market's website of like past market goers who mm -hmm. are your potential purchasers. But are there other things you look at like, I don't know, size of market, indoor versus outdoor? Like what are some factors that people can be looking for? A big thing is audience size, like how many people are going to walk through. Some mm -hmm. markets will post how many people walk through it. I did one in Ferndale last year, DIY Street Fair. I think mm -hmm. 40,000 people come through that in three days. Done. So that's a big one. Yeah. Um, other ones might be 1,000 to 5,000. So a pretty big variety. The main thing I look for when I'm applying to a show, though, is the other vendors. Usually they'll post uh, vendors that were there the year before. So you can kind of click through the links. UICA does that. And you can look through the links and you can see who's there. I also talk to other vendors that I think kind of fit my style and have similar kind of complimentary items for sale. And I'll talk to them and ask what are the best shows that you go to. Kind of tap into that community to figure it out too. How do you do a postmortem after a market? So we've gotten through the pitch and all of that, but I feel like something that makes a strong pitch is honest reflection on what has happened in the past. And so you mentioned that sometimes you're really successful and markets that you think are going to be a good fit, you're not as successful. How do you kind of measure that? And, and how do you guide yourself to future action if you've decided something isn't successful? Yeah, I guess with the market, it's measured pretty much only in sales. So <laughs> either you make enough money to do it again or you don't. Some people are very methodical about it. I've known other people selling artwork or handmade things that will they'll only do a market if the fee for the market is 10% or less than what they make at the market. Oh. So if they make $1,000 at a market, the fee for that market needs to be $100 or less. So that's a really straightforward way of doing it. I'm more of like a gut feeling type of person. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I might give a market that isn't great another try if I think that something is changing or maybe the weather was bad that year. So I think there's reasons to try markets again. I've done some markets where they started really strong and then it, there's very obvious drops in audience size. So if the crowd very noticeably gets smaller, I don't think there's much you can do about that personally as an artist. Right. Or a maker. So I think then it's time to move on probably from that market. What other kinds of pitches and strategies are we not covering? Like I think the like the basic premise of what we talked about applies to pretty much all of them. So like you can scale up or down any of those things depending on kind of the medium that you're delivering it in. So an about page on a website might be a few paragraphs. But most of the time when you're applying for something, in my experience, you need to be able to sum it up in a few sentences. So I think that's probably the hardest aspect for most people to do. So if you can kind of take your story and summarize it in three sentences, that's going to be your biggest challenge. So that's where I would start. And then once you get there, how do you add on to that sure. in, in a way that keeps it interesting? What are some editing tactics that you really like? I think the biggest thing that I do is I'll start with an outline. Mm -hmm. So here are the points that I want to make. I'll write it and then I will my main goal would be to make it shorter. So you write it and then you make it shorter and you make it shorter and you make it shorter. Mm -hmm. So cutting out as much kind of repetitive stuff or stuff that just isn't relevant mm -hmm. to maybe the person that's going to be reading it. I think that's kind of how I pare down something like that. Okay. Maybe we're just going to do like a hot round. Sure. <laughs> um, how long should people spend on an application? I usually don't spend very long on it because typically they're repetitive. So if you're especially applying to a market, and that's my main experience in it. Those are going to be repetitive. I have a bio 
I might adjust the length of that bio depending on what their requirements are. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have these really strict forms that limit you to a certain number of characters. Sometimes that number of characters is very small. Yeah, <laughs> so. freecharacterpanner.com <laughs> yeah, or so, whatever they're called. Yeah. I'm all on the word counters as well. Yeah. It's hard. So can you explain yourself in like a tweet length? So usually I, it might take me 15 minutes to half an hour to do an application like that. I think it gets more complicated if you're applying to something like a gallery show where there's like a theme to that show and you have to write something completely sure. new. So I think something like that could take an hour or two, depending on kind of how fast the ideas come out of you and how fast you can edit that down. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like if you have invested the time in building this sort of set of assets that can be translated across mm -hmm. applications, then every application does not have to become a crisis of the soul. Yeah. It can just be an application. Yeah. Do you have sort of a quick punch list of assets that people should have on hand? I know we talked about a bio, we talked about potentially a website, mm -hmm. some images, but if you could pick like, I don't know how many the magic number is, but five yeah. things that people need to have on hand to put together an application, what might that list look like? For uh, markets in mm -hmm. particular, I think a bio, images, social media accounts that are active, and a website. I would say those are so it's four things. I think those are mm -hmm. probably the main things. Most markets will want five images of your work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, in addition to that, a booth setup photo. And that doesn't mean you have had, you need to have done a market before. You could just set it up the way you would display it yeah. in your living room or in your basement to kind of give an idea of what it would look like. Are there any like really great calls for entry or calls for applicants, like single submission sites or resources that you really like? Not really. Where do you go to learn <laughs> about these markets? Again, mostly just talking to other vendors. Okay. There is a website called Zapplications, but it's mostly, I feel like there's kind of two worlds of markets. There's the older kind of craft market world. And a lot of those markets that have been around forever, um, like the Coast Guard Festival in Grand Haven or something like yeah. that, Tulip Time, etc. Those are on that website. So mm -hmm. you, if you want to do markets like that, you can apply to all those markets on that website. But if you want to do street fairs, art shows, et cetera, a lot of them, especially if they're newer mm -hmm. um, or if they're smaller or more independent, a lot of them aren't on there. So you kind of have to seek those out. And you don't even have to have gone to markets to see, to talk to vendors, to figure out what those markets are. You can go to their Facebook page. You can go to their website. Most people will add them to their events on their Facebook page so you can kind of see where they've been and where they're going, going okay. to. So that's kind of how I started. I just looked at artists that were making work that I thought fit with mine. And then I applied to the shows that they were doing. Stock them out. Do it. It's a really good strategy. <laughs> Are there any last thoughts or important tidbits that you wish someone would have told you when you were starting out? Well, a couple, couple things. So one of them, as far as doing markets go and kind of making things for an audience, whether it's art or a product that you're selling, like a t-shirt in my case, make things that you want to make or make things that you would want to buy. I think everyone has done the thing where they're like trying to make something for somebody. Yeah. Some imaginary person or um, customer that they don't currently have and or like trying to follow a trend of some, some sort. In Grand Rapids, beer is a good example. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I can go to a market and there could be five t-shirt vendors and all of them might have beer shirts. So one year I did a beer shirt and it sold all right at a couple shows and then no one ever bought it again. So I think that's an example of kind of knowing who you are as an artist, like why you do it in the first place and staying consistent with that. So I yeah. don't do any shirts with Michigan on them and I don't do any shirts with beer on them because I wouldn't wear those shirts. There's nothing yeah. wrong with them. There's not my style personally. So kind of like knowing who you are and why you're doing it. And then 
along with those lines, kind of knowing your focus is the big part of it. So knowing what makes you different and kind of diving deep and kind of doing the exercises that you need to do to figure out what that is. Talking to other people is a good way to do that too. So if you're, if you're stuck and you don't know what makes you different, talk to people and see what they think is different about your work or what they like about your work. And then talk about that. Make that your focus. Make that kind of like your differentiating factor. Well, thank you very much for being here, Chris Fredericks. We are grateful to you for sharing your knowledge and information and resources with us. To all of our listeners, I would encourage you to keep the conversation going and share resources that you know about. We are interested in hearing your stories of successes, failures, strategies, tactics, all in the name of helping our community to break it down and make it better. I'm Heather Duffy, and I hope you'll join us again soon. Thanks. The Break It Down, Make It Better podcast is presented in partnership with WGVU Public Media. Break It Down, Make It Better conversations are recorded in the WGVU Public Radio studio. Episodes are produced by Rick Bierling and hosted by Heather Duffy. Episodes can be streamed at WGVU.org and wherever you find your podcasts. Dig, if you will, this picture.